I'm reading from Revelation 1, verses 1 to 8. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Thank you, Bev. And thanks, Lawrence, as well, for leading us in prayer. Um, I, I was listening to radio this week, I heard a program about maps and uh, it was discussing this something I'd never really thought about, how these days, most of the time, we, we look at maps differently now. Uh, has anyone got a, a smartphone with Google Maps or other, some kind of app on it? And what do you see in the middle of, <coughs> in the map? What do you see in the middle? You see where you are, you see a, a little blue dot <coughs> and that identifies, I am here. And on the program, they're describing that as egocentric map reading. Because <laughs> it's all about me. I'm at the center. And how um, it doesn't, you, you don't know where, where is west and north and south and east anymore. You just know it's all about me and I'm at the center. Um, <clears throat> in the olden days, of course, uh, not that long ago, we used to use these. And you still can get them. Does anybody still use these? Do, do you like maps? Who likes reading maps? It's nice, isn't it? It's quite a sort of, ooh, ooh. And you get a bird's eye view and you look. Well, this is an A to Z of Birmingham. And uh, the reason it's called an A to Z is because all the streets in Birmingham, this is a few years old now, but uh, all the streets in Birmingham are in this map. The A to the Z. So if you go down to Armadillo Road or Zebra Street, you know, <laughs> it'll all be there. Um, and places of note and all the rest of it. It's an A to Z. Well, we need a map to guide us when we go out and about, whether it's an A to Z or you use your smartphone. Um, we also need a map to guide us in life. And God says here, I am the A to Z. Did you notice that? I am the Alpha and the Omega. And if you know a Greek, the Greek alphabet, you'll know that Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. God is saying, I'm the A to Z. I'm all you need. 
I cover it all. Everything that you want to find, you'll find in me. Every single letter. He also says, I'm the one who is, who was, and is to come. Any location you look for, you'll find it in me. Any time you want to look for, whether it's the past, whether it's the present, whether it's the future, you'll find it in me. I am. This is me. In the New Testament, we hear the words of Jesus many times, but we rarely actually hear the words directly of God the Father. We hear God the Father speak at Jesus' baptism. This is one of the other places where God himself speaks and says who he is. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the A to Z. So, we're looking at the book of Revelation for the next few weeks. And sometimes we can get a bit lost in the book of Revelation. Has anyone tried to read Revelation? Has anyone got lost in Revelation? Has everyone understood every single word of Revelation? <laughs> it's confusing. I, I, I've been reading it for you. I still don't understand it. So I'm not going to offer any reassurances <clears throat> there. But, uh, you know, it, uh, for the next few weeks we're looking at this. Because pre-Easter, when people saw Jesus, they saw a man. He, 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 he was a human being, like everybody else. He looked like everybody else. The Gospels don't say anything about Jesus' appearance. He just looked like a normal human being most of the time. Uh, one moment, up when he's up the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John see him shining like the sun. Revelation reveals Jesus for who he really is. He's risen from the dead, he's ascended into heaven, and revelation is a revelation primarily of Jesus, who he is. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at pictures of who Jesus is uh, in this book. We're not going to answer all the questions, so if you're still wondering what the mark of the beast is and all the rest of it, we're not going to go there, I'm sorry. <clears throat> but we are going to look at Jesus. It's a revelation. That's what revelation is. When you reveal something, what do you do? You, 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 you pull back the curtains. You reveal what was there. You know, what was that program? Um, they used to try and find out whose house it was. You know, looking through the keyhole or whatever. I can't remember. Even. Pardon? Through the keyhole. And then, and then it's all revealed. Ah, eventually, whose it is. You know. or, or, you know, one of the kids' programs. You know, let's look through this window and what do you see? Bit by bit, it gets revealed. Revelation reveals. And we're told that it is a revelation from Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get very confused by revelation and we get, go down all sorts of rabbit holes and blind alleys and think, oh, it's all about this theory of this, that and the other. But ultimately, don't forget, it's a revelation from Jesus. It's from him. It's about him, a revelation about Jesus. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. God wants to reveal stuff to you. <clears throat> God is a God of revelation. God is speaking. Lawrence implied that in our prayers just a moment ago. He's a God who communicates. He's communicated through creation, communicate through his word, communicate through other people. Communicate in so many different ways through visions and dreams.
God is a God of revelation. I wonder what's he saying to you? Bev, did you know you are now blessed? Because it says in verse 3 of this passage, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. (laughs) Bev, you are blessed because you read it aloud. And we're blessed too because we hear it. We hear these words. But we're not blessed if we hear it and then go away and forget about it. It's really easy. Do you do that? Hear something in one ear, out the other? My friend yesterday was saying that he was having a conversation with his two daughters. Uh, One's a teenager, one's a bit younger. And he thought the conversation was going really well. They were really listening to Dad. A little while into the conversation, he found they had headphones in their ears. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) What Dad were you talking? You know, sometimes like that, I'm not looking at my daughter, but you know, sometimes... I saw your lips moving, but it was you, so I figured it couldn't have been that important. So I didn't listen. But when God speaks, I wonder, are we listening? This is the word of God. And we're told we're blessed if we hear it, but also take it to heart. Take it to heart. There may be stuff that we don't understand. I'd be surprised if there's not as we read Revelation, but what we do understand, take it to heart, because the time is near. Revelation, as you read it, can fill you with anxiety. You think, ooh, I don't understand it, I'm missing out here. But we're not to be anxious as we read Revelation. The greeting from John, who receives this revelation is, says this, grace and peace to you. Be at peace. God wants to give you grace and for you to know grace and to know peace. So right now, be at peace. In our troubled world, you can be at peace. In our world of striving, you can know God's grace. Grace and peace. To you. says that because it's a letter. Revelation is a letter. But he wants people to receive grace and peace, not from him, but from God. Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and is to come. Effectively representing God the Father. From the seven spirits before his throne. I don't really understand, but I, I think John is just saying it's his way of talking about the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the faithful witness. John's already said earlier on that Jesus uh, brings his testimony. Jesus is a witness to what God the Father is. You want to know what God looks like? People often wonder what God looks like. Look at Jesus. You want to see me? Uh, You want to see God the Father? Jesus says, look at me. He testifies to who God is. He testifies to heaven. He testifies to what he's seen. So if someone's never read the Bible before, and you say, well, why don't you read the Bible? Point them to the Gospels. Because Jesus reveals who God is. And here, Jesus testifies to who God is. This is the word of God, and it's the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
What Jesus says is true. He's the faithful witness. And so what Jesus says in Revelation is true. But who is Jesus? Well, there's three, let me see, three, four things I want to say about who Jesus is in this passage. And Philip's going to preach next week and he's going to say some other things from the next passage. First of all, first thing about Jesus, he loves us. It says here, to him who loves us. What identifies Jesus? His love for you. I've been reflecting on this. He doesn't find you irritating. He does not find you boring. He's not pulling his hair out with you. He loves you. Do you ever look in the mirror and think, God must be so sick of me? He's not. You might get mighty frustrated with yourself, but God does not look at you like that. He loves you. It's the simplest thing to say, but it's the hardest thing to believe. Me? Really loves you. He's fascinated with you. He delights in you. He cherishes you. He has so much love for you. That's the first thing. Second thing is he's the one who has freed us from his sins by his from our sins, sorry, by his blood. Jesus is the one who has, notice past tense, freed us from our sins. You might say, I sin. Well, welcome to the club, so do I. But let me say something. This might sound heretical. But if you're in Christ, you know what? You are not a sinner. You're not a sinner. Not anymore. That might seem heretical, but actually, it's because your identity has changed. And Jesus has died to free you from your sins. Of course you can still sin, but you don't have to anymore. You're free not to, because he's freed you from the power of sin. Rewind a week, look back at Easter, look back at Good Friday. How did he do it? He did it by his blood. He freed you by his blood. Does anyone not feel free? I'm not asking for a show of hands. But do you ever feel a bit like, oh, I can't, just can't help it. I feel tired, I feel constrained. You need to let the truth of the gospel sink in again. That Jesus, past tense, has freed you from your sins. That's not you anymore. And you are not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. You can slip into sin, but it's not who you are anymore. It doesn't define you. It used to maybe, but it doesn't anymore. It's not who you are. He's freed you from your sins. 
by his blood. This is the gospel. But he hasn't just freed you from something, he's freed you to something. And the next two points are this. First of all, he's freed you to be a priest. Now did you know, I want you to say this with me, I am a priest. Say this, I am a priest. There's a kid's show um, on CBeebies goes, I am a rectangle. I am a square. I can't remember what the name of the program is. What is it? Mr. Maker. Great program. Well, I am a priest. Say that one more time with me, because I know you don't believe it. I am a priest. <laughs> now you're thinking, wait a minute, that's more heresy, Dan. I'm not a priest. The priest is the guy at the front with the robes and the, you know, smells and bells and all the rest of it. And you might not be called to do that, but you are called to be a priest if you're in Christ. What does a priest do? Well, a priest is the person who stands between God and the people. The priest represents God to the people and the people to God. Lawrence was doing a priestly thing earlier as he prayed for the world, bringing the world to God. And that's what a priest does. They stand between the people and God. And they are the ones, if you look back through the scriptures, they're the ones who can come into God's presence. Well, guess what? Who can do that now? We can. You're a priest. We have this phrase that, that we subscribe to. The priesthood of all believers. Now, you may or may not stand at the front. You will all have different callings. That's irrelevant. You are a priest. That means you're called to carry the presence of Jesus. And that means that when you go into your workplace, you're a priest. You're carrying the presence of Jesus. When you come to church, you don't need to wait for a, bless, for a blessing from the front. Just pray. Just come as you are. When you're on your own at home, just come as you are. You can enter the holy presence of God. You're a priest. I'm a priest. And then the last, fourth and final thing. So God has freed us from our sins, and he's freed us to be a priest. And fourthly, He's freed us to be part of a kingdom. To be part of a kingdom. Now, as we look at the news today, we might be troubled by our world leaders, right? It's a funny thing happening in Russia where the Orthodox Church seems to be condoning, well, not only condoning, blessing the invasion of Ukraine. And that's because there's this sense in Russia that we are God's chosen nation. And so we have every right to invade Ukraine. God has blessed us. Remember that Bob Dylan song? With God on our side. We're at war and God's always on my side, of course, isn't he? And there's that sense that, oh, well, you know, and, and, and the, 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 we've seen it in the news, the Orthodox Church, blessing what is, is going on. We, we stand back in horror but actually, there's this understanding that we are a chosen nation. Now, we've been a bit like that in the UK, actually. 
there was a thing back in the Middle Ages, the divine right of kings, wasn't it? The king was sort of, they had a hotline to God, they were appointed by God. And it wasn't that long ago, to be an Englishman meant you were a Christian, surely. <laughs> to be a Christian meant you were an English. No, it didn't work that way around as well. But, you know, being British, being English was part and parcel. You know, you were a Christian. You know, remember years ago, uh, when I was a student, we went into the hospital, A&E, with my, 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 my friend Carwin, and, uh, and, and the, the woman, this is a long time ago, they don't do this now, but he said, what religion are you? And he said, oh, I don't know. She said, shall I put C of E? And, uh, oh, okay then, Church of England. America, we see it in America. Lots of places where to be a Christian means to be a Republican. I want to say that all of these are deviations from what God is calling us to be. Because he's calling us to be a kingdom. And who's the king? Jesus. It says here in this passage that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Who's in charge? Who's on the throne? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this earth. And you and I are part of his kingdom. Hang on. No, wait a minute. Let's just hang on. So, we're called to serve him. To him who loves us, has freed us from our sins by his blood, has made us to be a kingdom and priest to do what? To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So, short talk today, but I want to put some three questions up on the screen, please, Tracy. I want you to just take a moment and reflect on this. We're going to be in silence. We'll take a few minutes just to do this. I'm not asking for you to say anything out loud, but this is between you and God. First question, do I know Jesus loves me? Do I know Jesus loves me? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Do I know Jesus loves me? Second question. What does being a priest mean for me? Yeah, you might have to do a bit of work in your mind to get past the imagery, but what does being a priest mean for me? What does it mean for you? And then the last question. How is God calling me to serve him in his kingdom? That might be in church, it might be outside church, it'd be different for different people. So I want you to just take some time and just sit quietly and reflect on those questions. And after, Kemrick, after maybe three or four minutes, come up with the band could come up and we'll, we'll, we'll sing after that. Thank you.